Please turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. We are continuing in our series on the book of Hebrews, and we have been firmly established in chapter 11, which is called the faith chapter. And Lord knows we need faith this morning. I don't know about you, but I need faith. So the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, and this morning... We're going to see God's salvation. That's the title of the message, See God's Salvation. And we're going to be taking a look at the life of Moses primarily, the life of Moses. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, Hebrews eleven twenty-three. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Let's pray. Lord, I ask for your help to preach this message, and I ask for your help that my friends listening would hear it. I include myself in that prayer. May I hear the very message I'm preaching. We would hear it with ears of faith. Lord, it would would draw forth from us fresh faith that receives your promises and sees your great salvation. Oh, Lord, thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Rewards programs are a big deal today. Every company seemingly has a rewards program. We have a credit card that we use because that credit card company offers reward points. Every dollar we spend, we charge on the credit card. We get points, and then we can turn those points in for Everything from free coffee to groceries to electronics, hotel rooms, travel, etc. Companies spend more than $2 billion a year on rewards programs. Statistics show that the average American family is in about 14 different rewards programs. They clutter your purses, your wallets, all those cards you have. Now, we are like the average American family. We enrolled in a rewards program, and we're looking to receive points that we can use. Well, my father-in-law is turning 80 in October of this year, 
and all the children with their spouses are flying to Phoenix to celebrate. You guessed it. Desi and I are going to be redeeming our reward points to pay for the flights. So how does that work? What does this have to do with Hebrews 11? Well, this is what it has to do with it. Desi and I look to the rewards that our credit card company offers us. And looking to the rewards, we then take action. We use the card, hoping to build up the points, and then ultimately to get free tickets to fly to Phoenix. In the same way, only far greater, God has a rewards program. We first were introduced to that rewards program in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 6 for a moment. It says the following. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, just like we had to believe that our credit card company would reward us if we use it, Reward us with points. So the Bible says that by faith we please God because why? We have to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, God's rewards program is not based on purchases or on performance. That's where it differs here. But it's based on his faithfulness. We receive God's rewards not through our works, but through faith in God's works on our behalf. What are the rewards that we receive from God? Are they similar to the rewards that Desi and I were looking for? Free flights to Phoenix? No. No, they're far greater. God's rewards are God's salvation. God's reward is God himself. It's more than a flight to Phoenix. It's passageway to the new heavens and the new earth, to a city of God that's better than the city of man. And in our text this morning, Moses and those around him are going to teach us that when we look to God's reward with eyes of faith, even as Desi and I looked at the credit card company's reward with eyes of faith, we believed it, and we took action based upon it, when we do that, we receive God's salvation. We're going to see Moses, the people of Israel, Moses' parents, Rahab, the prostitute, all had one thing in common. And what is that? And This is the key message of this section of Scripture. Those who look to God's reward with eyes of faith receive God's salvation. If I could summarize the message in one sentence, it would be this. Those who look to God's reward with eyes of faith receive God's salvation. There'll be two main points in our sermon this morning. The first one is to look to God's reward with eyes of faith. And the second one will be receive God's salvation by faith. Receive God's salvation by faith. You see, Moses and his parents and the people of Israel, they looked to God's reward 
in the midst of incredible opposition, in the midst of incredible difficulties. I can relate to that. And so could the first century Hebrew Christians to whom the book of Hebrews was written. Both first century Hebrew Christians who were under great pressure and 21st century Cuban American Christians, whatever you are, are under incredible pressure to look to God's reward in a world where people oppose us, where things happen. And God's message to us today is this, stand firm, stand firm. Hold on to your confession. Look to the rewards program. Believe that it exists. Believe that God is faithful. See it with the eyes of faith. And you will receive God's salvation. So if you find yourself this morning doubting, wanting to pull back, thinking, why do I believe this? It's too hard. Will they really redeem my points? Are there going to be blackout dates when I try to use this flight? Is this one of those sham rewards programs that just wants to get me to spend all my money on their product, but at the end, what they offer is useless? Isn't that the lie? God's rewards program will offer you nothing of use. The Bible today, Moses today, is here to tell you it's worth it. It's worth it. And one more thing before we get into these seven portraits of faith that we're going to see. One more thing is this. If it is true that those who look to God's reward with eyes of faith receive God's salvation, it is also true that those who fail to look at God's rewards with eyes of faith, but rather see them with eyes of doubt and unbelief, they will receive God's destruction. In fact, the last four of our faith portraits are portraits of God's people who have faith, who receive salvation, contrasted with God's enemies, primarily the Egyptians, who don't believe and are destroyed and judged. So this passage is at once an encouragement to believe and a warning against unbelief. Remember who it was written to. Hebrew Christians tempted to go back to Judaism and turn their back on the gospel of Jesus Christ because it was too hard. They were getting their homes taken from them. They were having great difficulties. But may it speak to us as well that we not turn back in those crucial times when we face opposition for our faith. So let us follow the example of Moses and his parents who by looking at God's reward with eyes of faith did not fear the king. Look at verse 23. Hebrews eleven twenty-three. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. You'll notice these seven portraits of faith all begin with the same phrase by faith by faith so by faith Moses parents saw something remember the main point of this text is look 
to God's rewards with eyes of faith. This is what this first point's all about. Look to God's rewards with eyes of faith. Where are the eyes of faith in this passage? Well, look what Moses' parents saw. They saw that the child was beautiful. Now, every grandparent will tell you that his grandson is beautiful. Even though he may be ugly. Let's just be honest, shall we? There are just some children, when they're born, they look like, more like Yoda than they do like a human. But we're not talking about here physical beauty. This term beautiful in the Greek, it comes from an Old Testament quote in Exodus, which was in Hebrew. And this term beautiful, this is what it means. One who has approval. One who has the favor of God upon him. So here is what they saw. Moses' parents saw God's reward. What was God's reward? For a good Jew living in Egypt, God's reward was freedom. They were slaves. They were looking for a deliverer. And somehow God spoke to them that this little baby had something special, had God's approval. I don't know how, but he did. They knew their scriptures, and God spoke. And they said, this boy is special. Hide him. Hide him. And don't be afraid of the king's edict. What is the king's edict here? Well, Pharaoh, the king is called Pharaoh in Egypt, had an edict or a command. And here's the command. Kill all the Hebrew boys. As soon as they're born, kill them. Because the Hebrew nation is getting too big, and if we are attacked by enemies, they're going to join with our enemies, and I'm afraid of them, so kill every Hebrew boy. So his parents, they looked to God's reward with eyes of faith, and they took action, and they said, no, we're going to hide the boy, and we're not going to be afraid of the king's edict. What's the point? Here's the point for you. Those who look to God's reward with eyes of faith, like Moses' parents, obey God, fearing God and not the world or the rulers of this world. Point of application. Is there something God is asking you to do? Through his word, through his word, a commandment, clear commandment of scripture, that you are not doing because you fear man? Friend, God rewards those who believe, who look to his rewards with eyes of faith, like Moses' parents. Second portrait. Second portrait here of someone who looks to God's rewards with eyes of faith would be Moses as an adult. By the way, as an aside, this section of scripture starts in Exodus 1 and it ends in Joshua. So this section of scripture takes us all the way from Exodus, the second book of the Pentateuch, first five books of the Old Testament, all the way through the first couple of chapters of Joshua. Last week's illustration with Abraham and the patriarchs completed the whole book of Genesis. So you see the author of Hebrews is marching through redemptive history, the history of God's people starting way back with Abel, the first, second man ever born to humanity, and moving through the patriarchs ended with Joseph last week. Joseph's death closes the book of Genesis. And this week starts with Moses' birth, which starts with the first chapter of Exodus. And it's going to take us all the way through to the first couple of chapters of Joshua and the people of God entering the land of God. He's marching through the great works of God to encourage us to endure and persevere in faith. For this God is a God who saves his people. So trust him. Look to his reward. How did Moses do that? Moses as an adult. 
please turn to Hebrews 11.24, which, which follows Hebrews 11.23. By faith, notice there, that little term, by faith, new portrait. Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. What was the reward that Moses was looking to, friends? Well, it was the reward of being set free from captivity to the Egyptians. Do you remember that 400 years earlier, one of Moses' forefathers, Joseph, said, take my bones to the promised land when God leads you out. And 400 years later, Moses, who's reading his Bible, knows that that's a promise. And he knows they've been slaves far too long. And he senses God's approval. And he looks to the reward. And the reward is God's going to deliver his people from Egypt. And so that reward, that reward motivates him to say no to the world and to say yes to God's purposes. Now listen to what he said no to. Go back to verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. A bit of redemptive history. After three months, Moses' parents put Moses in a little container on the Nile River and floated him down the Nile. And Pharaoh's daughter, who was bathing in the Nile, saw the container, saw the baby, saw that the baby was beautiful. When, God, when God's hands on you, both the Christians and the pagans recognize there's something about this person. Don't know what it is, but there's something about it. And God can use the pagans to forward his purposes. And she adopts Moses. So Moses, when he's grown up, when he's an adult, is a prince of Egypt. All the power of Egypt is at his fingertips. But because he saw the reward, he renounced his status as a member of the Egyptian royal household to identify himself with a slave people. A slave people who were being mistreated. And because he saw the great reward of God, he chose He chose that mistreatment with the people of God, verse 25 at the end, rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. What were those fleeting pleasures of sin that Moses said no to? Oh, they may have been things that you can imagine right now. Think of South Beach at its worst. But no, I don't think that was the major thing he said no to. Do you know what that fleeting pleasure of sin was? It was the sin of turning his back on God and remaining a prince of Egypt. You cannot be a prince of Egypt and a prince of God. You cannot be a man of God and a man of the world. You must choose today, Moses. And he saw with eyes of faith God's reward, and that vision had a consequence for his choice on earth. And he said no to being a prince of Egypt, no to apostasy, no to turning his back to Christ. First century Hebrew Christians were listening intently. They were, they were tempted to do the same. 21st century Christians, please listen intently. Not quite as dramatic. None of us are prince of Egypt. 
even though we're all legends in our own mind. But the world calls, does it not? You can't have dual citizenship. Choose this day whom you will follow. Moses said, I'm choosing the mistreatment of my slave brothers than the courts of the Egyptian royalty. And he had it. He had it. He wasn't wasn't a wannabe. He was the real deal. And look what else he did. Oh, friends, here's where the gospel sings. Here's where redemptive history cries out. Here's this is what thrills my soul. May it thrill yours. Somehow, someway, Moses saw Christ. Look at this. Verse 26. He considered the reproach of whom? Christ. Greater, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Why? For he was looking to the reward. Now, just like today, the Persian Gulf nations have incredible treasures because of their oil reserves, so back then, Egypt had incredible wealth because of their grain reserves. Most powerful nation in the world. They fed the world. Back then, grain was like oil. You had to have it. And they had untold wealth. And as a, as a, as a prince of Egypt, that wealth was his. And he said, that treasure is nothing compared to the wealth of the reproach of Christ. What did he see? What did he see to turn his back on winning the lottery? Literally. What did he see? He saw God's reward to Christ after Christ's humiliation on the cross. He saw the glory of God that the Son of Man earned back for us by taking our sin and restoring us to a place of glory and honor with God, overseeing all of creation under his authority. Moses saw salvation. He saw the reward. He didn't see some little flight to Phoenix. He saw the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. He saw his participation in that. It was real to him. It was future. It was not yet. He had tangible riches of Egypt, but he saw that as greater riches, and that entailed the reproach of Christ. The glory of God is attained through the reproach of Christ. Do you understand that? That's the point. Do you see the reward? Is the wealth of Christ's reproach, which is his humiliation on the cross, worth more than the treasures of this world? Oh, I pray it would be. I pray you would hold on to that blessing. This is what the whole book of Hebrews is about, particularly in chapter 10. He's saying, guys, look at the promise. Jose preached on this. You're going to get the reward. Hold fast your confession. God is faithful. It's not yet. It's future. See it. Look at the heavenly city. Don't let the lights of this city dazzle you. I was talking with the Whirlies. They just came back from a vacation that included Times Square in New York City. I was there two years ago with my wife on our anniversary. Her brother lives right near Times Square. I've never seen it. I've been in many cities of the world, but I've got to tell you, when I walked into Times Square, it was pretty darn amazing. I was impressed. Talk about the city of man. I mean, they got flat screen TVs the size of skyscrapers. And it looks like people are like, you, they're talking like right at you from these TVs. Hustle and bustle, wealth, money. I walked in, I was impressed. 
It really grabbed my heart. I liked it. Oh, may I be more impressed with the wealth of the reproach of Christ because I see the glory of God. It's hidden. It's veiled. I don't see the city of God. I can't take a flight to New York City and walk into Times Square and be moved by my senses, but I can see it through walking through the Bible and see it through the eyes of faith and see God's reward, and that moves me. That moves me to say no to the world. A bigger yes helps me say no to what is of less value. I will not forfeit the eternal for the temporal that will rot. One day, Times Square will be no more. I don't know when. I'm not prophesying anything. But one day, one day, before I continue to the next portrait, I want to say two things to you. Number one, I'm under great conflict right now. Because you see, as a biblical theologian, I believe that the Bible is one story of God's redemption, one covenant that just matures all the way through the pages of Scripture. One God, one Savior, Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament is filled with types and shadows that all point to Christ. And Moses, Moses is a major type who points to Christ, big time. And there are other types and shadows <clears throat> embedded in the Moses narrative that we're looking at. For example, Pharaoh is a type of Satan. And Egypt is a type of the world. Here's my struggle. I just want to camp on all these and, and reveal all the types and the anti-types revealed in the New Testament. So pray for me that I don't do that or we'll never get out of here. But, but I just want to tell you this. I don't think it's God's purpose for me to preach that way. I do believe it's God's purpose for me to preach the one truth that's here, that those who look to God's reward with eyes of faith receive God's salvation. Like Moses and his parents. But I'm sorely tempted. Here's what I want to tell you. I commit to you one day, in the context of a classroom, I'm seeing the future as if it were today. (laughs) In the context of a classroom, to sit down with you for hours and days and weeks and study these narratives and and look at every type in the Old Testament and see how it's fulfilled ultimately in Christ, but in the new. And we're going to have a lot of fun doing that. Now, back to our regularly scheduled sermon. Look Look at verse 27. The next portrait of faith. The next portrait of someone who looks to God's rewards with eyes of faith. This is Moses versus Pharaoh. Verse 27. Moses versus Pharaoh, verse 27. By faith, that's a marker that we have a new portrait of of faith. By faith, he, Moses, left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. The king there is Pharaoh. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now what we're talking about here is the exodus. We're now picking up the narrative of Moses' life from an adult, a young adult, to an old man. He probably was 80 years old at this point. He's come back from the desert. And God has sent him to lead his people out of bondage. And by faith, he leaves Egypt, the exodus, not being afraid of the anger of the king, Pharaoh. Why? For he endured. He endured. He persevered, is another translation of that word, as seeing him who is invisible. Third example of someone who saw something. They saw God's reward. Someone who looked. They looked to the reward. And someone here who's seeing him who is invisible. Our reward is God himself. 
Moses saw God. Moses saw the one who is invisible. Moses lived by faith. He looked to the unseen God and his unseen promise. Moses enters Egypt, the most powerful nation of the world, and confronts Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, with simply a promise, a reward, an unseen promise. And Moses leaves Egypt with two million people, the promise having been fulfilled physically. This is why Jews celebrate the the Exodus so powerfully. There's perhaps no picture, greater picture, than what Christ does in our lives. He comes with his unseen word. He comes with the foolishness of the cross. He comes with what the world says is unimpressive, an 80-year-old desert Bedouin with a staff and a word, but it's the word of God. And he leads out two million people from the most powerful nation of the world and leaves that nation in destruction by God's judgment and leaves with the wealth of that nation because of God's salvation. What a picture. Why is that picture being thrust upon the first century Hebrew Christians? Because they're huddled in their rooms and they're afraid and they feel weak and their property is being taken and they're preaching Jesus and Jesus alone while the physical temple is still in existence. That's the way to God. No, this is the way to God. And and the, the author of Hebrews is saying, persevere, endure. And he's saying that to us. He's saying that to us. Saying that to us. The the implications of Moses' example is that we would endure in our struggle with Pharaoh, Satan, as God delivers us from Egypt, the world. I mean, I mean, Moses, Moses saw God do incredible things. Ten plagues brought the nation of Egypt to its knees. Not by his power, but by God's power. Isn't that us? Isn't isn't that our temptation? There's opposition. I was thinking of examples. Here's the example, friends. Those of you who are wrestling with personal sin. You're you're in bondage. You're a slave in Egypt. You've got God's reward that has been preached to you. And you're facing Pharaoh, a mixture of Satan, maybe your own flesh, and he's mocking you. He's saying, I won't let you go to go worship your God. Because so often when we're caught in personal sin, What does it cause us to do? Back off of God. I don't want to worship God if I've just sinned again, that sin. You fill in the blank. And I believe what God is saying to us. Here's an application. Look to God's reward. Even though it's future. And let that determine your life. Not your present circumstance. Moses could have looked at himself in the mirror and say, what am I doing here? an 80-year-old Bedouin with a staff, and I stutter. And my brother has to speak for me. And I'm going to lead a bunch of slaves with no weapons 
out of the captivity of the most powerful army in the world. And that can be us, can it? Do you feel like an 80-year-old Bedouin in front of a powerful ruler of the strongest nation in the world when it comes to the sin you're dealing with right now? And the voice says, give it up. And I believe what God wants to share with you this morning is, look to the reward. Keep looking. Keep looking. Keep looking. Moses endured as seeing the one who was invisible. And I believe God is saying, endure. Endure for your marriage. Endure for your life. Singles, endure in faith for God to give you what you are desiring. Purity, grace, contentment. Endure. Endure in faith. Even when you see yourself sinning over and over again, God's faithful to his word. He will deliver you from Pharaoh and Egypt. He will. He'll deliver us as a church. Listen, he'll deliver Sovereign Grace Ministries. He will. He'll deliver you personally. Because he's faithful. His rewards program never fails. And the benefits are eternal. Now we're going to move. Now we're going to move from the first point. Look to God's rewards with eyes of faith to the second point receive god's salvation by faith that obeys receive god's salvation by faith that obeys you're going to see in these last four portraits that faith and obedience go hand in hand faith is actually expressed by obedience and the first portrait is verse 28 by faith he Moses kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. In these last four portraits, you're going to see a contrast between those who believe and are saved and those who doubt and are destroyed. Believe and see the salvation of God, and believing includes obeying. Doubt and receive the destruction of God. Who was destroyed? The firstborn of Egypt. Imagine that Passover night. Moses obeys God. He has every family slaughter a lamb. They take the blood of that lamb, the sprinkled blood, and put it on the doorpost. They're eating their Passover meal, the first Passover. The firstborn son walks up and says, Daddy, are we going to be okay? Why do I hear screams of terror all around me? And all around them, the Egyptians are screaming in horror. All around them, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who was a god back then, to the very firstborn of the cattle, are dropping dead. And in the midst of that horrible situation, that Moses says, Oh God, I believe. Help my unbelief. My knees are shuddering and trembling. But I obey you. I trust you that you will preserve our firstborn from the destroyer of the firstborn. Who is that? Some say it's God himself or an angel God sends. Doesn't matter. It's God. He's the first cause. But because of his faith, Moses obeyed God and he trusted in the blood of the Passover lamb. And here we preach Jesus because we live in a a world where there's crying and terror all around us and people are perishing and people are dying and suffering. And in the midst of that terror, when your son says, are we going to be okay, daddy? We say yes, because we trust in the blood, the sprinkled blood of the lamb of God, Jesus. 
He alone is my trust. All the way through in Hebrews has been preaching this one message, trust in the sacrifice of Christ. For the blood of Christ will cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Here's what I felt from God. The Egyptians mocked, mocked this promise. And they died. Don't mock it. If you're tempted to mock it, even now, you listen to this and you think, what is this? Oh, friend, it's true. If you believe it, there's salvation and protection from the destroyer, the wrath of God. If you doubt it, I can just warn you, there is nothing but destruction for you. Believe and see the salvation of God. And teach your children that as well. Trust God to give them a heart of faith. But this is true. This is true. Second of these last four portraits of faith. Israel is saved at the Red Sea. Israel is saved at the Red Sea. Look at verse 29. By faith, the people, that's the people of Israel, crossed the Red Sea on, as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. You see, folks, the very same place that is a place of salvation, God's people going through the Red Sea, a type of baptism, is for the unbeliever a place of destruction. You, you cannot play the middle ground with God. It's either be saved or be destroyed. What's interesting is by faith, really, by faith, didn't sound like faith when I read the account in Hebrews 14. Turn there with me, please. Excuse me, Exodus 14. Turn there with me, please. Exodus 14, second book of the Bible. Exodus 14, let's look at verses 10. Let's examine the faith of the people who were able to cross through the Red Sea. And let's see, is it perfect faith? Is it faith that never doubts? Well, let's check it out. What does the account say in God's word? Exodus 14.10, when Pharaoh drew near, he was really mad, by the way, when he drew near. His country was destroyed. His firstborn was dead. He had one thought and one thought alone, destroy these people from the face of the earth. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. Most powerful army in the world. Tanks are rolling at you. You've got a, a shovel and a rake and a stick that you fashion into a spear. And they've got M1 Abrams tanks. And they feared greatly. Makes sense. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. Oh, this is so us. Why did I ever accept Christ? Why am I a Christian? Why am I in this church? It's worst here. I'm going to go back to the world. Serve the world. Serve Satan. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. How can Hebrews say these were people of faith? You know how? Because of Jesus Christ. He comes to redeem their unbelief. 
this leaves room for me and for you to be real with God and real with others. I, I want to believe, but I'm not. And you know how you can tell I'm not believing? Because complaining is coming out of my mouth and fear grips my heart. Fear and faith do not exist together. Complaining and faith do not exist together. But listen to what God did. He gave them a preacher. He gave them a man, a man called Moses, who prefigures Christ, who will be the prophet, the leader of Israel, spiritual Israel, out of Egypt, out of the world, away from Pharaoh and away from Satan. And what does Moses say to them? And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Hebrew Christians of the first century, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. American Christians of the 21st century, fear not, stand firm, and you're going to see the salvation of the Lord in your marriage, in your life, and your dreams, and your hopes, overcoming that sin that has just battered you and taken you out of the game. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. I also like what else he said to them which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see them again. Oh, come on, Moses. M1A1 tanks, lots of them. Sophisticated jets. I'm not going to see them anymore. No, no. We're the ones no one's going to see anymore. Why? The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Isn't that good advice? Sometimes we just have to be silent. Al, be quiet, because all that's coming out of your mouth right now is complaining and unbelief. Better that you're silent and trust the Lord, because he's going to fight for you. Because his rewards are true. Hmm. Next. Not next. Staying on this point. (laughs) What's the application for you? What's the application for me? I think it's endurance in that area you're thinking about right now. And continuing to believe God. Let me just open my life up to you. I take walks with my wife three times a week. This is a great place for us to just open our lives up. And I said to her last week, I said, sweetheart, particularly in light of what's happening with Sovereign Grace, I said, sweetheart, talk to me about the areas that you have concern with in my life. And she says, Al, you've grown in so many areas. And I do see maturity. But this one area, I think you've grown, but this is where you would be tempted to to stumble. She says, when things go badly or unexpectedly, you, attend, you tend to think the worst immediately. Okay. So I would have been in the front line of people saying, the Egyptians are coming and the Red Sea is in front of us. We're going to die. <laughs> and because I have a big mouth, everybody's going to hear me. I mean, just a funny story. This is silly, but it illustrates it. A bunch of guys came over to watch the last game of the Heat playing the Mavericks. 
game, by the way, which, by the way, which we lost. Okay, so I was right in this. But the guys that were there, you'll remember this, right? Early in the game, what was I saying? We're going to lose. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. They said, Shut up, man. I thought Mario was going to throw me through the screen. Have faith, buddy. We're going to win. No, we're going to lose, Mario. He missed that. I was so negative. Okay. Now, that's silly, but it's not silly because somehow we all have different dispositions. Mine is when things go really badly, I tend to just take it all the way, you know? And, and that's why Corey balances me and Jose because I asked him this morning, how are you guys doing? They go, oh, we're fine. You know, and I'm like, we're going to die. Shh. Which is which is God's grace. But I'm growing. But see, i got to see that. What is that? That's the sin of unbelief, friends. That's the sin of unbelief. Okay? So that's the application on that one. Now we're going to go to the next one. Israel saved at Jericho. Verse 30. Israel saved at Jericho. Here we go. Verse 30. By faith... The walls of Jericho fell down after they, the they there is pointing back to Israel, had been encircled for seven days. I believe the point here is this. Faith that receives God's salvation, faith that is focused on God's reward is obedient faith even when God's commands are foolish. God commanded these people to march around silently well-fortified walls of a city-state that knew these people were coming to kill them and conquer them. One of the most powerful cities, one of the most impenetrable walls, and God says, walk around them in silence for seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest is going to blow the trumpet and shout, and the walls will come down. Okay, (laughs) right. And they obeyed. They obeyed the foolishness of the message. And sure enough, on the seventh day, amazing things happened. They shouted, and with no military implement, with nothing of man, the walls come crashing down. And so we, armed with the foolishness of the cross, simply obey by preaching Christ and Him crucified, And through that word and through God's grace, we march around the walls of our lives. And when we shout in Jesus' name, they come down in God's timing. And impossible places that could never be conquered. Cities that seem so strong in your life. They say you could ride chariots around the walls of of Jericho. That's how wide and thick they were. We'll come down. We'll come down. Because of God's faithfulness. And the people of Jericho, the unbelievers, they all died except for one and her family. And that's Rahab. Look at verse 31. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. There are two women named in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. One woman is understandable, Sarah. You would think that the mother of faith would be in the chapter of faith, in the hall of faith. If Abraham's the father of faith, Sarah would be the mother of faith. But Rahab, a pagan Gentile prostitute, by name in the hall of faith, there she is. 
And there we are. She represents us. We have no right to be here. What's out of place in this picture? Hmm, a pagan prostitute. I get Isaiah. I get Abraham. I get Abel. But where, who invited Rahab? God did. God did. And God did because God said this isn't just for people that are Jewish or a certain lineage or a certain pedigree or a certain religious type. This is for the Gentile, the Jew, whoever would believe my promise and whoever would obey. She believed the future promise that God said, this land is Israel's, not yours, Jericho. She saw her faith was future-oriented and it brought the future into the present. And when these spies came, she could have easily said, here they are. Kill him. But she risked the life of herself and her family and endured mistreatment with the people of God and she hid them and she was saved. They say that she lived on the wall and that there was a scarlet thread hung from her window. I could just imagine it. Miles of huge wall crumbled. And as the troops are investigating, they come to one sliver, and it's still there. They go, how did that happen? God kept it up, because that's where Rahab lives. Oh, Rahab. She's in the hall of faith. Yep, Rahab, the prostitute, who believed God, who looked to God's word and said, I believe it, and I'm not going to be like the disobedient. I'm going to obey, and I receive the salvation of God. Oh, friends, I'm going to conclude with this passage. Turn to John 3.36. The very same event that was judgment and destruction for the unbeliever is salvation and and, and life to the believer. John 3.36, our Lord said the following. John 3.36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son, notice, believing and obeying, they're they're synonymous here. Whoever believes has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. There is no middle ground. Believe and receive salvation. Doubt and receive destruction. No middle ground. No middle ground. Those who look to God's reward with eyes of faith experience God's salvation and those who don't experience God's destruction. Oh, friends, God's reward is God himself. As I began with this illustration, it's not some flight to Phoenix that the world offers in their rewards program, but it's a flight to the new heavens and the new earth, eternally to be with God, participating in his eternal glory. See it. Friends, let us look to God's reward with eyes of faith and count that as far greater wealth than all the treasures of this world. God's eternal reward, his promised salvation, it's the bigger yes that enables us to say no to the temporary pleasures promised by the world. Let's draw near to God in full assurance of faith with the conviction of unseen promises, unseen cities, unseen rewards. Let us live lives that declare God exists. He is, and he rewards those who seek him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for anointing your word and your truth and opening the ears. 
Lord, if there's someone today who's been looking at your rewards with blind eyes and a mocking heart and a complaining tongue, and it's meant nothing to them, they don't see the reward of God with eyes of faith. They see the reward of God with eyes of doubt and unbelief. Would you open their eyes now and let them see what Moses saw, what Moses' parents saw, what Rahab the prostitute saw, what the people of Israel saw. Ultimately, it's you, Jesus. It's you as they look down the quarters of time. It's you, Father, your city, your blessing. If that's you this morning, I, listen, this is the day of salvation for you. Oh, bow your knee to him. Rahab believed what God said. She obeyed. She was saved. May you believe this morning. May you humble your heart and obey that he might save you. And Lord, for those of us that are tempted to pull back, we're like Israel at the Red Sea. The Egyptians are coming. The ocean's in front of us. All is lost. I give up. Why did you bring me here, God, to kill me? First of all, forgive us, Lord. We believe. Help our unbelief. Thank you for sending your son to take the wrath that that unbelief deserves. But now, Lord, build our faith as we hear your word and as we sing together, O Father. I pray this. There is a song that we're going to sing. It's called, There is a Day. We sang it earlier. I love verse 3. Could you please put the words to verse 3 up on the screen? This is what I believe God wants to do for all of us this morning. So lift your eyes to the things as yet unseen. They will remain now for all eternity. Egypt had no future. Israel did. And Moses knew that. Though trouble's hard, it's only momentary, and it's achieving our future glory. Let's stand and sing that as a declaration. <laughs>